0: Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Today on This Week Health.
1: At some point in time in the future, your health will be 100% monitored. You'll be able to see where you are at any particular time. You won't have to, You won't have to go to this or this. It'll be right out there in front of you.
0: Welcome to Newsday, a This Week Health newsroom show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our Newsday show partners, and we have a lot of them this year, which I am really excited about. Cedar sinai Accelerator, Clear Sense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum Healthcare IT, Pure Storage, ShoreTest, site, Lumion, and VMware. We appreciate them investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to the show. Hey, it's Newsday, and today we are joined by Charles Boise, co-founder. I, I looked at your LinkedIn, it said co-founder, and I didn't realize it was one of your titles. And I think chief, chief nerd, chief technology officer, chief... Deep thinking data person over at ClearSense. Are any of those titles accurate? I think that, I think you got my name right, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
1: and I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Chief miscellaneous in charge.
0: Yeah, whatever you, yeah. I didn't realize you you counted co-founder as part of your titles. Although I know you are because yeah. we, we talked about this technology before you actually went over to, to ClearSense. I mean, I know this was... Stuff that was rolling around in your brain and stuff that that you had that really pioneered at UCI and then took to the next level when you're at Stony Brook and then obviously then went to ClearSense. Sense. So you had a lot of time thinking about what it should look like before you built it out at ClearSense. Sense. Yep, yep. Other duties as a sign, Bill. Other That's duties as I a mean. sign. And for people who aren't watching, any particular reason you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt today, or is it dressed down news day oh. today, or? Yeah, since everybody's remote, we had an
1: opportunity to bring the tech team together. So there's about thirty-five of us, and it's a Hawaiian
0: shirt kind of contest day. So we'll I, see
1: who wins. It I, won't the, be
0: me. That is, I was going to say, that's not the wildest Hawaiian shirt I've ever seen. Actually, it's a pretty, pretty nice looking Hawaiian shirt. Now, there's a guy here with a
1: Hawaiian shirt that has bananas on it, and he's wearing a matching pair of shorts with bananas. So I think the banana guy is going to win this
0: one things we miss about not getting together. Well, since you're on the show, we are going to talk a lot of really fun stuff. We have a glimpse. I, this rumor has been out there for a while, but we have a little glimpse into Apple's virtual reality headset. I want to talk about that with you because you and I have talked virtual reality a couple of times. We're going to talk about the new startup Hippocratic as well. And obviously we've got to hit generative AI. Because even off the air, you and I have been doing a lot of stuff, talking to different companies and talking to each other about generative AI's impact on healthcare. So let's start with Hippocratic. You want to start there? Yeah, sure, absolutely. You want to start? You want me to kind of get into it? Oh my gosh, you would actually do the uh, the lead in for? I usually do the lead ins, but I'd love to. I'd love to have you do the lead in. That would be great. So Charles okay, to do the lead in. Here we go. Let's talk about
1: Hippocratic. Everyone take a look at it, get it, get a little bit more involved with it. But it's really important because so Hippocratic has developed a, a language model, or as we call it, a large language model, specifically for healthcare. Uh, why is this important? It's always been my position, bills as well, that these language models have to be curated. They have to be exact, especially for healthcare. If you're going to combine the all the information available in the planet, Um, And then maybe some outside, then you're going to have some errors and whatnot. But if we have the proper subject matter experts creating these large language models, we can have one for nursing. We can have one for uh, physicians, pharmacists, whatever the sub-language model may be. But, you know, collectively, we have a curated model and we keep it up to date. And then that's what we're looking for from a generative AI perspective. That's how, you know, we're going to be helpful and they've done it. So they got together. I uh, Bill, you might have the particulars on it, but they got together, they produced this and they're ready I, to go. I,
0: I do have the particulars on it. So hashtag a general catalyst. They are, they've raised $50 million. They're coming out of stealth today. And this article was written yesterday. So Charles, one of the things I appreciated about you is you sending me articles. Usually I send the articles out. And we talk about it, but you're sending me actually the first two articles we're going to talk about were from you Fifty fifty million 50 million was raised. General catalyst is behind them Andreessen Horowitz. So this is, this is big time. They've been working on this for a number of years. So this isn't like, Hey, we raised some money. We're going to figure this out. They've been working on this for a while. They have a group of physicians, hospital administrators, medical professionals, and AI researchers from organizations, including Hopkins, Stanford, Google, NVIDIA after co-founder and CEO Manjul Shah sold his previous company like.com, a shopping comparison site to Google in 2010. He spent the better part of the next decade building out Hippocratic. And oh, it has some information down here. They have some of the missteps, right? You had GPT-3 recommended it's a person commit suicide. That's an example of, it's been trained on everything, right? So it can give, it can potentially give bad, information back out. Babylon Health is under scrutiny. The UK's National Health Service utilized them and they made claims about disease diagnostics and whatnot that, that haven't come to fruition. And obviously we all know about IBM Watson Health. So that's yep. the reason for these narrow models. They have to be trained very specifically. And one of the, one of the cases they give here, let me see if I can blow this up. And
1: Bill, as you're looking that up, it goes back to uh, humans can be forgiven. Machines get one shot at it.
0: Yeah. Machines don't get to make a mistake. The- We get to. Yeah, we do. I ball, and we've talked about that with cars. A person, how many accidents will happen today? But if one of those is from a self-driving car, that will be the front page news. Whereas all the other accidents will probably, we will never hear about. They have these interesting things where they take tests right north american pharmaceutical licensure examination registered nurse acute care certified pediatric yep.
1: and yeah bill looking at the number on the, on the pass rate on the n-class for nursing i believe it's in the high 80s correct
0: yes yeah, yeah i mean so i mean you yeah, have hippocratic essentially is a b plus a student on all of these tests to give you an idea gpt4 which we've been touting for uh, any number of weeks here is essentially a C student on most of these things, B student on one or two of them, but mostly a C student. And in some cases they are an F student. And then you have some of these other LLMs, which are really low. I mean, they're F students.
1: And you said it before, Bill, narrow focused,
0: narrow focused, large language models. Yeah. So yeah, so this model, the Hippocratic model is not going to be able to generate your emails for you or write articles about finance. It's not trained on that, nor really should it be. Well, here's what I found interesting on this though, Charles. Shah emphasized that Hippocratic isn't focused on diagnosing. So that's interesting. Rather he says the tech will, which is consumer facing. So this is a consumer facing tech. Informative. Yeah. Informative. so, So it's not doing diagnosing, it's consumer facing and it's aimed at use cases like explaining benefits and billing providing dietary advice and medication reminders, answering pre-op questions and onboarding patients and delivering negative test results that indicate nothing's wrong. So, and there's, yeah, the dietary advice. They go on and talk about some more things there. I think that the point that we want to make over and over again is it matters the data that's used to train it, right? It's so... GPT-4, and it's amazing. I use it, it's very, it's very helpful. But I think what we're going to see is these narrowly trained models. And the other thing I'm saying to people these days is that uh, the, think of AI as your minion. And at some point AI is going to recognize that I'm calling it a minion, but think of it as your digital servant. And I'm looking at GPT-4 now has plugins and you can plug it into things like kayak for travel and you can say, Hey, what's the cheapest flight for this or that, and it'll just pop it out. Well, it's a lot easier than doing a search on kayak, quite frankly, doing it through GPT four, cause it just processes all that information and pops it out. It now becomes a digital servant. I can schedule things. I can have it respond. I can have it generate things. Yesterday, Google introduced a feature in Gmail. Did you see this? Yep. Yeah, it'll essentially write your emails for you. Like you give it yeah, a couple absolutely. of prompts and it'll pop out the email, so. And these mass layoffs now will be a little bit more empathetic when it comes from generative AI. <laughs> you're brutal, you're brutal. brutal. But it's, it's interesting, cause that's one of the stories. Let me see if I can find that one. Let's go back to inbox. Oh, and this is uh, Taylor Davis had a post. I'm gonna go here first. So Taylor Davis had a post, and one of the things he said is his predictions for AI and healthcare. Next 24 months, healthcare lags in uptake of AI compared to other industries, and that's to be expected. By 2025, other whole industries will have been transformed by AI, and there will be setbacks, but in many cases, the companies will shed 30% of their labor costs. Health System CEOs will watch these self-evident and shocking transformations. They will realize that the race is on. Whoever masters the AI transformation first will have a whole different cost equation with which to grow, market and transform. Expediency will be the norm. Revenue cycle in particular will see a 50% reduction in their current workforce. Few health systems will stumble in dramatic fashion, but public embarrassment is not the greatest risk. That goes to the health systems that could not shed 20, 10 to 20% of their costs, they fall behind their competitors and are acquired. And this is somebody who's in healthcare, somebody who knows healthcare, who's essentially saying, look, I'm looking at the AI market, I'm seeing what it can do. And I'm looking at healthcare. And I think it's going to be transformative to the tune of at least 10 to 20% of the administrative costs.
1: And I think it's gonna be the catalyst for more MA activity. So we at uh, one time we were at fifty eight hundred healthcare organizations, we're now down to you know under four thousand and eventually we'll be around two hundred to three hundred. So so yeah, those that don't adopt and operationally is we're focused secondary probably on the financial side and then thirdly on the clinical side. So operationally, hey, we need to do something as far as the clinical times of service, where they're located all the operational is where it's gonna, it's gonna hit first.
0: So people are worried about the job loss, but you and I are old enough, we have enough gray hair to remember these arguments when the PC came in and people are like, oh my gosh, this is gonna put people out of a job. And, and there's various technologies that have come into play over the years that people are like, oh, there should be mass layoffs. The reality is the PC came into the world and there was mass layoffs in certain areas. And then there was, ho- all new jobs created, yep. didn't even exist before. And people just moved into different jobs. And I assume the same thing's going to happen here. Oh,
1: absolutely. And people will become more, you know, the human side of this thing, this technology allows for, it's a junk of, it's, it's helpful. It's not there to replace. We can do a better job. Or, you know, think about call centers. Do you really want to operate your call center 24-7 with humans? You don't, you're not going to have to. You don't. Have, you actually don't have to now.
0: Well, let me, one more generative AI, then we're gonna talk about Apple's headset. So okay. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI dropped a, dropped a bomb at a recent MIT event declaring that the era of gigantic AI models like GPT-4 is coming to an end. <laughs> this, this is a guy who's in charge of GPT-4. Anyway, he believes that the future progress in AI needs new ideas, not just bigger models. And he says, look, GPT-2, had 1.5 billion parameters. GPT-3 has 175 billion parameters. GPT-4 has closer to trillions of parameters. This kind of parameter growth is no longer tenable, feels Altman. Why? Number one, he said returns. Scaling up models size comes with diminishing returns. Two is physical limits. There's a limit to how many and how quickly data centers can be built. And then three is cost. ChatGPT costs over hundred million dollars to develop. And the person who actually wrote this goes on to say uh, that they don't really think this is the only problem, and they talk about the the access to data. Why is it becoming harder and more expensive to access data? Copyright conundrums, Getty Images, individual artists like Sarah Anderson, Kelly McKernan are suing the AI companies over unauthorized use of their content. Universal Music S. Spotify and Apple Music to stop AI companies from accessing their songs or training. Privacy matters and regulations. Italy banned ChatGPT over privacy concerns. Samsung even warned employees not to use AI tools like ChatGPT for security reasons, data monetization. Twitter, Reddit, Stack Overflow and others want AI companies to pay off for training on their data. Contrary to most artists, Grimes is allowing anyone to use her voice for AI generated songs for 50% profit, so forth and so on. So I said a lot of things there. One is, these models are getting into the trillions of parameters. There's, we're not, he thinks it's not tenable because of the scaling issue. We can't build enough data centers, diminishing returns and just the cost. And then this person goes on to talk about access to data to train these large language models is going to become more scarce. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that before we go to the Apple headset. Oh my,
1: is my comment? I'm you, just love chaos. So we're going to have, we're going to have a. Litigation pause, probably, but maybe, maybe we won't. Again, uh, limited language models, focused language models, and that'll bring on the, the need for interoperability between language models. So we'll, we'll throw that one out there. But I think these focused language models for specific, even outside of healthcare, will be will be a way to alleviate a lot of this. Also, you know, as we go forward with this, um, there's advancement in compute. There's also advancement in storage, so DNA storage, quantum computing, and so forth that is becoming more and more affordable. Even as we speak, that will be that will be help that will help all this from a technical side, the legal side. That's all human, so that's going to take a little while to to get through. So you're going to continue to see that banning and also the heavy litigation.
0: We'll get back to our show in just a minute. I am excited about our webinars this year. They have been going very well. What I've done is I've gone out and talked to people in the community and said, what works in webinars? And they came back and said, look, this is what we want. We want a webinar that is not product centric. It's really focused in on the problems of healthcare. And we want people on there that are actually solving those problems. And so we have done that. And the response has been fantastic this year. We have another webinar coming up it is the future of care spaces where care is being delivered is changing rapidly. Even the care spaces within the hospital themselves are changing. Technology is being added in different types of technology. AI, obviously computer vision and whatnot is changing that modality as well as what's going on in the home and whatnot. So we're going to have that webinar on June 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We usually have it on the first Thursday. Happens to be a little too close to my anniversary. So we're going to do June 8th at 1 PM Eastern time, future care spaces. We would love to have you be a part of it. If you are interested in being there, go ahead and hit our website, top right-hand corner, we have a card. You can click on that card and go ahead and fill out the form and get registered today. We would love to have you join us. We look forward to seeing you there. Now back to our show. Yeah. There's a lot of different things we could talk about here. I want to go on to the Apple headset only because it'll be another six or seven weeks before you and I are on the air again. And this will have either happened or not happened because this has been talked about for a while, but there's a belief that at this year's Apple Developer Conference, which will happen in, I think, early June, they're finally going to release their their VR platform and Palmer Lucky is the person who came up with Oculus and sold it to Meta. And he, uh, he said simply in a tweet, right? So it's just a tweet from Palmer Luckey. He said, the Apple headset is so good. That's the quote. So, and some other people have been leaking things. And do you think now is the right time? Do you think Apple is going to release a headset? And what do you expect to see from a headset from Apple?
1: Sure. Yeah. A couple of things. So I'll give uh, Amy Webb and the the Futurist Institute some credit here. She has always said that our future from devices and whatnot will be, you know, what we have right here. That's what we'll be using. The uh, This is going to go away. There are several other pieces of technology that will go away. I think this is what we're going to see from Apple is the next step towards that. So it's not just virtual reality as you and I think about sitting at the beach and lounge chairs having this type of discussion. And or VR for gaming and so forth, even simulation. So it's going to take it to the next level. And I think what it's really going to help us is enough people will adopt that we can get the requisite feedback and whatnot so that the next cycle of this is improved. You can go back to you remember the little glass and all the stuff that happened there. Oculus came out. This is more of a kind of a combination of both technologies, if you will. But we're going to see this even advanced. No one's going to want to walk around with doggos on their head. That's not going to happen. Folks like folks are okay with the glasses. Everybody uses sunglasses and whatnot. So more of the usability needs to be advanced going forward. But I think we're just going to learn a lot from it.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Even from Apple, I expect the first device to be a little clunky. And I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see people walking down the street with their Apple headsets on just yet. But I think that is directionally where they're going. Where they're going is at some point, we're gonna have our, I have my glasses on, you have your glasses on. And even people who don't need glasses like we do, will have them on because they will, there will be augmented reality that goes on. And I agree with you. I think Apple sees a future in which that kind of device, which provides augmented reality, also does all the things our current phone does. Yeah. yeah, wave Yeah, wayfinding, all that good stuff, right? Yep. Yeah, maps, yeah. wayfinding, searches on the internet. We just do a voice search, and it'll show up in front of us. Now, I, I saw a presentation a little while back where they they showed the 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 Oculus headset. Now is called the what's Meta's thing called? Anyway, yeah, the Meta headset, and they said getting this technology into this. A simple pair of glasses is still a decade off because you're talking about advance this and advance that. Oh, absolutely. Certain level of miniaturization and whatnot. But I think if we see anything from Apple, it'll be something where you and I sit at our desk. We can still interact with our computer. We have augmented reality and it will create a better experience for us to interact with our digital world while sitting here. And eventually we will be able to take that that headset on the road with us. Yeah, and getting rid of this would be, hands-free yeah. would be something I look forward to. And Charles, I keep this here as a reminder. I know we keep pointing to things. People on the podcast are like, what are you doing? So oh, this, yeah. this is the original eight gig iPhone box. Now I wish I'd kept the actual iPhone because it would be worth a bunch of money. But my gosh, when you look at this, it's you think, how did we even function on That thing was so small to start with, it. If you remember back, it didn't have, I don't think it had an app store when the first iPhone came out, right? So they have a tendency to put something out, get the feedback, come back in, and iterate to something great. And I think that's what they're going to, yep. they're going to
1: do here. Yeah, I agree. And Bill, from, think about it from what they've done from a, um, a health perspective and the whole 24 seven, this will even add to that. So uh, at some point in time in the future your health will be 100 percent monitored you'll be able to see where you are at a particular time you won't have to you won't have to go to this
0: or this it'll be right out there in front of you wow how much money do you give to apple a year you got the ear pods in that you're talking to me on you got the phone you just picked up you got the apple watch so so bill nothing but it goes back to um
1: uh my brothers and i have an apple the first apple one motherboard we still have that. So it's in a safe deposit box, but started commerce with them in the 70s. And
0: that's awesome. Charles, it is always great to catch up with you and in the spirit of your shirt, mahalo friend. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) And that is the news. If I were a CIO today, I think what I would do is I'd have every team member listening to a show just like this one and trying to have conversations with them after the show about what they've learned and what we can apply to our health system. If you want to support This Week Health, one of the ways you can do that is you can recommend our channels to a peer or to one of your staff members. We have two channels, This Week Health Newsroom and This Week Health Conference. You can check them out anywhere you listen to podcasts, which is a lot of places. Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, you name it, you can find it there. You can also find us on YouTube, and of course, you can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com. And we want to thank our Newsday partners, again, a lot of them, and we appreciate their participation in this show. Cedar Sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSight, Lumion, and VMware, who have invested in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.